Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode 15 of the interview chair. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want to share with you an exciting opportunity as we approach the month of May, considered by many one of the hardest months of the school year. On April 22nd, Jay Costin Associates will be hosting a free webinar to help educators make it in May. Join me and Jessica Cabine next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time for a one-hour webinar as she shares three strategies to thrive in May and end the year stronger than you started. During the session, you will be able to, one, brain dump the to-do list that is preventing you from executing on ideas. Two, set short-term goals for work and life. And three, develop a schedule that gives you margin in your day and enough energy to accomplish the things you want to do at work and at home. Jessica is the principal of Austin Online Academy, a free virtual high school for all students in Minnesota. In 2017, Minnesota named Jessica the National Distinguished Principal of the Year, and she is currently NAESP Middle Level Fellow and Future Ready Principal. Jessica is also the author of five books, including her most recent release, Principal in Balance, Leading at Work and Living a Life. So register today at jimmycasas.com backslash courses. Now, back to this week's episode. Are you fixing or are you teaching? I want to begin by asking you a question. Are you a fixer? Full disclosure, I am. So today, I want to break this down a bit. Let's go back to the interview chair for a few minutes today. Like most educators, I know that feeling all too well when you sit down at the end of a long day and in a matter of seconds find yourself dozing off, completely exhausted from fixing what seems like a swarm of never-ending problems. I recall having my share of 30-second naps during my 26-plus years working in schools after sitting down to simply catch my breath. I'm sure most of you can relate to this. I mean, how many times have you been shuffling along through your day when suddenly the end of the day dismissal bell rings and it dawns on you that you haven't gone to the restroom the entire day? Or better yet, you realize that your meal plan for the day consisted of bite-sized Snicker bars and Butterfingers, some licorice, and a few handfuls of peanut M&Ms. Yeah, not good. I've been there, done that. Do you ever wonder why we seem to fall into this trap? How do our daily lives as educators consist of taking care of everyone else and forgetting about taking care of our own needs? No judgment here. I get it. I think I even know why we do it. I think it's because, well... We just care so darn much. It's like we can't help ourselves. It's who we are. I'm guessing it's in our DNA. Whether you are currently serving as a teacher or a building or a district administrator, it's easy to fall victim to this vicious cycle where you feel completely depleted at the end of your workday. 
Well, the fact is there's got to be a better way, a more logical approach to each day than running around trying to accommodate every request, every complaint and need that comes along. Well, for the first 12 years in my role as principal, I struggled in this area. I honestly thought is what I was supposed to do. I mean, take care of everyone else's needs, right? Regardless of the toll it took on me. Isn't that why I became an educator? To help others, to serve them in a way that made them better or at a minimum help them look good. This may sound good in theory and perhaps it has even served you well to this point. But if truth be told, I don't think you can sustain that very long. And if you try, you're going to pay a very heavy price. I mean, I thought I could and I know I paid dearly. And I don't want that to happen to you or any educator for that matter. I remember early on in my career as a school leader wanting to solve every problem that came my way. In fact, I thought that is what strong leaders did. I mean, I'm not going to lie. No, I did I think I could fix every problem. I mean, I wanted to fix every problem. After all, I was 26 years old. I was young, passionate, energetic, confident. I believed in myself. And yes, even my ego sometimes loved playing the hero. But if I'm being truthful, I also felt the pressure of being a Latino leader, not wanting to disappoint those who gave me a chance or believed in me. I mean, I was scared I would fail and ruin it for future generations of Latinos. I mean, how would I face my parents who sacrificed so much to give me these opportunities? I mean, that pressure was real, my friends. Those feelings were real. And in my work today, others have shared similar sentiments with me, especially our minority leaders and women leaders who feel that immense pressure to succeed and show others they can do this work. Trying to do it all and fix it all, well, it also made me feel good. I mean, I felt like I was helping others, and most of the time I believed they appreciated it. However, what I eventually learned was that not only did the problems never seem to go away, they seemed to multiply 10 times over to the point of frustration sometimes. And over time, I began to see others as weak, and, and I was critical of them, and as though somehow they were incapable of solving their own problems. I mean, ironically, what I failed to do was to reflect and look at my own skill sets. I mean, had I done so, I think I would have recognized that the real solution to their problems was not rescuing them from these situations, but rather supporting them by asking them questions to understand their dilemmas better and, and then providing follow-up questions to help them come up with potential ideas to help them resolve these issues on their own. Sadly, rather than help others unleash their potential, I chose to harness them by placing such labels on them. How wrong I was to model these behaviors, I mean, I know that now today. I mean, it's certainly a violation of my own core principles, right? Expect excellence. Don't label, you know, model those behaviors you want others to replicate. Well, as I grew in the position as a school leader, right, as we all do, we mature and we evolve. And well, I was determined to work harder at being intentional with those around me and spending more time in conversation about whatever we seemed to be dealing with at the time. I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by a team my last several years as a principal. And these individuals truly believed in investing in one another by giving each other two of our most precious commodities, the gift of time and the gift of love. And what I learned was that we lacked an understanding of how to grow and develop our staff and even our teams. Although we knew it was critical to do so, we didn't have the tools or a process to follow in order to truly challenge and support their learning in order to help them develop their confidence as leaders. 
And what I failed to understand early on in my tenure, I don't know about you, but as a principal, that was my responsibility that it wasn't, wasn't only to help others around me to become better leaders, but also to support them in becoming better learners so they could become better teachers. So here are a few things to consider to teach and help propel your teams to become more independent and eventually more successful in resolving their own issues so they can help others resolve theirs. So one, see yourself and others as learners first. I mean, after all, we are in the teaching and learning profession. And if we're going to ask our students to come ready to learn every day, well, then we also have to be ready to learn every day. Number two, Listen to concerns with the intent to understand, not respond. Do your best to stay out of what I call fix-it mode. When we listen with intent to understand rather than fix, well, then we can, I guess, in number three, I kind of see this as kind of we then can ask more questions to gain more clarity. I think this will serve us better than leading off with possible solutions. Often our initial response often leans towards a solution-based approach with advice. That often sounds like, well, have you tried this? Or what if you tried this? Or when I was a teacher, I did this. Or perhaps we might say, here's what I would have done. Or have you tried this? Or here's what I would do. In my opinion, asking questions is the most critical step in becoming a non-fixer. And if we want to get out of fix-it mode, we'll then stay in question mode. And by the way, asking better questions will only come as the result of you being a better listener. Number four, spend more time in conversation. This shows others that you value the relationship too. Your personal time is the most precious gift that we can give to someone else. And remember, it aligns with core principle number one of Culturize, invest time in others. Number five, bring a third or even a fourth party into the conversation to model the importance of team resolution, right? That collaborative thinking uh, keeps us from feeling isolated or feeling like we have to figure these things out by ourselves. No, surround yourself with a group of people and use the four, four most powerful words in leadership. I need your help. Number six, value all opinions in order to help nurture an environment that values curiosity. Number seven, when others struggle to resolve their own issues, don't stamp them with a label. Remember, core principle number four of Culturize reminds us that, well, everyone wants to be great. They don't want to fail. And so why are we placing labels on these people? They want to be great at what they do. And if they're not acting in ways currently in your organization that are great, then the question is why? Because at one point, they were. And what part did we play in that? Number eight, provide ongoing support, time, resources needed for a successful resolution. Number nine, follow up with an encouraging word or a note and then check in again to recognize and celebrate that progress. Check in again and check in again and check in again. Remember, giving others our time, following up, circling back, tells people that we made them a priority, that they were important to us. In fact, the most important thing that day. And so we have to show that, not just say it. And finally, number 10, encourage them to repeat the process with other similar situations they encounter to support and honor them in their growth as learners or as teachers or as leaders. 
and understand they're going to come back, right? And when they do, well, seek to understand why. In other words, ask them. So, hey, listen, we, we, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, or we talked about this last month, so can I ask you, so why did you come back? Right? It's to understand that because we don't know why they're coming back. Is it because they lack confidence? Is it because they need to be assured? Is it because they're perfectionists? Is it because, well, they just don't want to mess it up and, and they just need that extra vote of confidence? So assure them that they can do this and continue to work with them and work with them and not label them, but to understand why they lack the confidence or why they hesitate to make decisions or try to work through some of these issues on their own. That's what teaching is all about, my friends. And as we continue our work in schools, we will continue to encounter dilemmas. They're not going away. Whether we are a classroom teacher or a school or a district leader, so I'm going to ask you to reframe it and to see it differently. We're trying to fix all the problems. First, it's not even your responsibility to fix all these problems. No wonder we feel so much weight on our shoulders. But like, what are we, magicians or something? Like, all of a sudden, we just wave a wand and you know throw some pixie dust around, and poof, we fix all the problems, people. That isn't the way it works. Give yourself permission and relieve yourself of all that guilt that you cannot and should not try and fix every problem that you encounter. Instead... Focus on bringing a better version of yourself to each dilemma so you can get a better result. You can't fix all the issues, but you can bring a better version of you to the situation. Supporting students and staff in their quest to resolve an issue by focusing on a process to help develop their skills will go a long way in fostering a community of learners and prevent you from completely depleting and exhausting yourself of your time and energy. If we pause and take a moment and place ourselves back in the interview chair, how would we see ourselves? As fixers or as teachers? And if we want a better result, then I believe we have to go back to our core and remember why we went into this profession. To teach, that is the real you. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast to ensure you never miss an episode.